Third time's the charm. It's for you, yeah. Three is a magic number. Hello and welcome to Third Time's a Charm. It's the show that takes an in-depth look at the third installment of a franchise. This is episode 66, Triple X3. Are we in the intro? I'm excited. We are getting right into it. Triple X3 from 2017. I am your host, the Mikester. Joining me for that sweet, sweet, too fast bump, I have the hosts of Too Fast, Too Forever, Joey Lewandowski and Joe Two. Welcome to the show, guys. Hello, Mike. Hello, Mike. I can't tell you how excited I was like all day, like, oh, I don't have to carry the weight tonight. This is so exciting. I get to just sit here and not talk. I don't think you're going to want to not talk about this one tonight. Oh, no. I I fucking love this movie. This movie is so goddamn good. Yeah, here we are for part three of the crazy crossover event, the second one of the year between Too Fast, Too Forever and Third Time's a Charm. The first was the Transporter series. Now we are on to Triple X. And here we are. And holy hell. Wow. Just let's take it one step at a time. We've done our history about this franchise on the last two shows. If you haven't listened to them, it's on Too Fast, Too Forever's feed and their Patreon feed. So donate to hear the second one. Even for a dollar. So we don't really need to get into our histories about the franchise, but I would like to know about the history of this movie. Is it your first time seeing it? When was the first time? If this hasn't been your first time, quick first impressions of your viewing this time. Joey Lewandowski, hit me with your thoughts. Yeah, I want to go first because I'm really curious to know what yep. Joe thinks because I saw this in theaters when it came out, not having seen the first two before then. So this is the second time that I saw it, the first time at home, and I still loved it. But I'm very curious to hear what Joe thinks. So I had, you know, I had some problems with how the first one was cut. Uh, This one was just a blast. It's so easy to watch, and they really leaned into the silliness like we were talking about in the second one that we kind of wanted. So I enjoyed the whole thing. I enjoyed all the cameos. It starts out with Neymar being in the movie, Mm -hmm. and he's playing Champions League, scored a goal pretty much as I was watching the movie in Champions League. So I was, like, laughing that tons of weird crossover happening. I did really enjoy it. I like this one a lot. It was good to see Vin be so um, flamboyant again. I think that he really carried a lot of the weight here. So I think that's an interesting way of saying that because I think, and a way to describe this movie, is that it's just a Dom spinoff of Fast and Furious. This is It 100% is. This is Fade the Furious Dom. I think this is like less flamboyant than the first Triple X. I think this is just straight up, this is Dom okay. and Fade the Furious just in a different costume with tattoos. No, 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 no. Because I don't think it's as brooding because we watch so much Fast and the Furious and the progression that you get there that it just becomes the Nico impression of what Dom sounds like this there were still jokes he still had the coat he was funny he was doing stunts that are like more silly than the ones in the fast and the furious even though that doesn't really feel right to say i still like this better i think that vin was having more fun here and less trying to like make a franchise movie we're three for three. I definitely love this movie. I saw it when it came out in theaters. I don't think I'd seen it since. And so there's a lot I didn't remember, but one scene in particular I've never forgotten about. The grenade scene. Can't wait to talk about that. It 
to me feels like Happy Dom. I think I said that yeah. during the first movie. That's fair, yeah. The way this film is constructed with his team and the mission. I used to watch the show Fringe on Fox. Great show. And it's about they find an alternate universe. And instead of a Green Lantern, there's a Red Lantern. And everything's just a little off. And this feels like the Fast and Furious of that universe. Like, it's Fast and Furious from another dimension. And it's like, there's been eight movies. And this is the ninth. Yeah. All of the triple X's that will come to love in this movie. You know, I like to imagine they've had their own film. And now they're coming together like the freaking Avengers or something. So I love that they're able to sort of replicate the fun and extreme and action of those Fast and Furious movies without making it feel stale or like quite like a ripoff even. Like it still feels triple X, even though I'm being reminded of of Fast and Furious. That's very fair. I agree with everything you said there. It is its own thing. It has enough Fast and Furious elements, whereas maybe the second one or the first one felt like a Fast... Oh, no, it was like the first one we were talking about it. We're like, oh, this feels like they just took a lot of elements that they did here and put them in the Fast and the Furious. This feels like it kind of exists on its own, although it's even more similar to a Fast and the Furious movie. Yeah, it definitely feels like for whatever was the formula they figured it out by this one they knew they didn't want to do what they did with the second one again and get as close as they could to the vibe of the first one and i feel like joe you said it like this one's much easier to watch i think it's just Mm -hmm. better filmmaking clean it's just cleaner like editing everything is better yeah we're with a director i'm familiar with i haven't seen all of his movies and i don't like all of his movies but i like some of his films we've covered two of them on this very network he directed some shia right Mm mm-hmm Eagle Eye, and was it Suburbia, the other one? Disturbia. Disturbia. Please respect the clumsy portmanteau of Disturbia. (laughs) I try, I try. Rear window, teenage version. Yes. You know, like I was saying, I wish the crew of the second movie made the script of the first movie. That's how I feel about this movie. It feels like they got they got everything kind of working together right. Well, I've got some teaser for the next one, because I said on the second episode that I thought there was a triple X4 coming out. There is. Yes. So here's what you need to know about the fourth one. So the fourth one, there's no date. It's just in pre-production right now, whatever. Three actors attached. Vin Diesel, of course, coming back. Uh, Zoe Zhang, who I do not know. And a guy named Jay Chow, who is probably best known for playing Kato in that Seth Rogen Green Hornet movie. Okay. DJ Caruso coming back to direct it, who directed this one. But the reason I want to bring this up here, we're talking about movies being Fast and Furious. The guy writing Triple X4 is a guy by the name of Derek Haas, which anybody who is a Fast and Furious diehard and I'm saying this because I did not remember his name, but he wrote Too Fast, Too Furious. So, oh, that's really cool. Famously, the one core installment of Fast and Furious, that Vin, this guy will write the fire. This guy has since gone on to create FBI International and Chicago PD and Chicago oh. Med and Chicago Fire. Oh, yeah. Like, it's that guy. Oh, yeah. So he is loaded beyond loaded. But he wrote Too Fast. It was his second movie, his first not TV movie, and he's writing Triple X4. So if we thought the first few felt like Fast and Furious, or at least one and three, it feels like it's going to once again be a very Fast and Furious installment for number four. I like that, though, because originally they're like, we want to be James Bond, okay? Mm-hmm. And it felt sort of forced, and it wasn't clicking correctly. So this feels more like a course correction now. They're back, and they're like, we know what we're going for this time, and we're sort of like shedding all of that sophistication. We're not into that. We want to be dirty, like kick ass, and look dope doing it, you know? Like, that's all they care about. <laughs> I agree. What I also love about this one, and I don't want to undersell how important this is, but this is like a mid-tier. I would equate this kind of like to the Hobbs and Shaw sort of feel, not only because it's a standalone, but just like in terms of a modern action movie, that kind of type of action. But the important thing is that without credits, it's like 95 minutes. Like this is the right length. It's 
great. I agree. The one modern trope that I don't love, but I think they pull off here, and Mike, I think you know exactly what I'm going to say, they do the Suicide Squad on-screen text, which I'm just like, hmm, played out by now. Maybe five years ago, not as played out, but one Suicide Squad did that, I'm like, you can't do it again, because they ruined it. But it's not terrible here, it's just, I kind of wish that wasn't here. Ruined it because now it's just associated with Suicide Squad, or ruined it because, like, they did it badly? They did it badly. It was like, I don't remember, like, I don't know exactly things, but it's just, like, the most obvious on the nose, and, like, the jokes were dumb. Like, this is pretty, like, I think this is pretty funny i don't think it's you know hilarious because i don't think that like fast and furious movies are hilarious and they're charming and like they, they try to be funny yeah and maybe a joke makes you laugh but it's not like a comedy i get it like yeah. neymar being like he thought he was being recruited for the avengers is like oh that's funny because you know sam jackson but like you're not laughing out loud at that i don't think you know what i mean just like oh yeah i get it okay yes clever i totally feel you about the bio cards popping up like the back of a gi joe or something you know that's how it feels mm-hmm. like best done i think in creed right it was done and they did that in something similar in creed the shot would freeze and then their their sort of ranking would come up their nickname their listing but it wouldn't be yep. like you know their favorite song Jokes. and yeah right and like all that kind of stuff like known for uh, having the world's most crashes in the guinness book of world records although that guy's awesome But here, I think that that actually works because it's so silly and dumb that it tones down the seriousness of the movie, which is like what we had so much of in the second one, where it was like, like you were saying, it's trying to be James Bond. So like, this is like, oh, look, we know that this movie's silly and just an action movie. We're going to lean into it harder. And then in that sense, it works for me because I'm like, okay, fine. I don't like the title card pop-ups and things like that or the jokes. Like they didn't make me laugh out loud, but at the same time, I'm like, kitschiness of it it feels right for this movie yeah and i think david ayers even said about suicide squad that wasn't in the original vision you know once they took the film away from them they added all kinds of crap and and shifted around the timeline and so that's only in there to be cool which is why it fails spectacularly but in order to talk about the rest of this movie and the cast and everything i want to just give a quick little summary because i actually kind of felt like for the plot being basically like Chase the MacGuffin, I liked uh, some of the twists and turns that this story took. Uh, it starts off with, I thought a, a very cool idea and a very real threat is that someone is basically launching satellites and space junk from orbit into Earth. Yeah. Now we're talking global scale threat. This feels more like that G.I. Joe movie I mentioned the last time. This is some serious shit. So the NSA is like, there's this device called the Pandora's Box. We've got it. We got to keep it safe. But during the meeting, it's stolen by a bunch of what we come to find out X triple X agents who have their own agenda for the box. Tony Collette, in an amazing performance, heads the NSA, searches down Xander Cage, and lets him form his own team of bad asses, basically, to go acquire the Pandora's box back from the rogue agents and return it to her. Uh, But not all is what it seems, and Xander Cage and his motley crew team up with the X triple X's to form a new team of new triple X's, and they basically do what they want to do the way they want to do it, and take control of the box, get it from Tony Collette, skydive out of airplanes without parachutes, they surf on motorbikes, it is wildness, just crazy cool stuff that we're going to get into to and at the end they save the world and especially at the end what i really like is that gibbons um thought to be dead once again two movies in a row Mm -hmm. twice bold move i hope that becomes his thing i really do do do, now that you said that oh my god i didn't even think about it but with joey saying that there's gonna be a four like he has to die in four pretty much off the rip again and then just come back at the end right like you can't not do it at this point like kenny from south park that he just like keeps coming back And Xander Cage awaits his next assignment as credits roll. 
You know, Mike, that was a that was a really good plot summary. What I was annoyed by, not annoyed by, but remember in the plot summary for number two, which is like, they're trying to stop a presidential coup. It's like, well, you don't know that's the last half hour. The IMDb logline for this one ends with a new tough assignment with his handler, Augustus Gibbons. He's not in the movie. Like, he's in the first five minutes and the last five minutes. But like, if you're like, oh, good, Sam Jackson's back. It's like, no, that's not, that's a lie. Like, that's not even close. It's like, that's not even what this movie's about. Like, it's Tony Collette's show. Like you were saying, it's not Augustus Gibbons. She has the Gibbons tag again she does the same thing xander responds as sherlock again but if you're like "Ooh, augustus gibbons cool it's like no that's not even a little bit right oh my god joey now i want to see vin diesel do a modern interpretation of sherlock holmes like who would be his watson but you're absolutely right when the movie started i was like oh sweet sam jackson's back and then i was like wait a minute doesn't he die in the opening sequence oh right he did die in the opening sequence like not his movie, but a nice sort of tease to get you, you know, in your seat, I suppose. What I like most about this plot is that, like, my complaint about most movies is uh, things don't kind of happen early enough and they cram too much into the third act. And what I liked in this movie is that, like, you find out fairly sooner than you would usually that the bad guys aren't the bad guys, that you've been pitted against each other and you need to team up to take out the real threat. And there was even a, a sort of a red herring at the end of this with that CIA director who turned out not to really be the ultimate threat and it kept going you know there's almost like a fourth act or something so i really appreciated that aspect of the writing yeah i think it's a really smart action movie especially considering how dumb it is like it doesn't try to be smart but i think it's just well paced and well structured in a way that the first two aren't like the first one just gets by on the red bull and the mountain dew like what you were saying the second one i think we all kind of agreed wasn't as good like it looks better most of it the cgi is worse but it's just kind of boring it doesn't have the pacing right but here we start with action we start with then we go to xander action we know the twists and turns people show back up they know exactly what to do and it feels like this is better thought out than any movie like this really has any right to be like it feels like this could have been an easy cash grab but again 12 years after the second one and 15 years since vin did the first one they actually kind of had a story and they did it and it's remarkable how like competent it is when like you think about this franchise it's kind of really hit or miss yeah it blows my mind when i watch a movie like this that isn't sort of attached to a larger name recognition for instance like you know i keep bringing it up but gi joe you know there is a pretty lackluster first one and like a semi-okay second one but like if this was a gi joe movie it would fucking rule like the way that it kind of like is laid out and everything so right i forget from time to time as the decades roll on it's just a different style of storytelling and filmmaking and people are trying i think to capture the past too often and this is a movie that is just like doing its own thing and not even worried about proper structure you know and in that sense like it just keeps me engaged i think that there's probably two ways to look at this i think if you're down on this movie if you don't like it which i don't think any of us are that way but i think if you're like this is just another shitty generic action movie because it does feel like of the time like this is like oh i know exactly when this is made it's following all these beats whatever but i think if you actually look past certain things you compare it, especially the first two it's like refreshing it's easy to be like oh this is just kind of like another like cash grab action movie whatever with vin diesel who no one likes so, you know there's people who just out there who like how many fast and viewers they're gonna make but i think if you are yeah willing to give it a chance it's genuinely good i think i think that this is a lot of fun and i think that it is genuinely good i mean how many other action movies do we watch that are just like equivalent at least right you know what i mean like i I put it up there against like most of the blockbusters that come out every summer that are just like some random action 
movie. Yeah, yeah. No offense to our last crossover series, but it takes out all three transporter movies yeah. at once. Also, part of it too is it's not a one man show anymore. Like Vin Diesel doesn't need to be the only hero here, you know, and that's refreshing. Like he's matured as like a star. Um, I feel like early on, and and maybe to some degree now, he still has like the I can't die rule or I need to win rule, but at least like you know he's sharing the action here. It's not all about him, and he seems to be having a lot of fun against this cat because this cast rules everybody's coming with their own personalities and like just chewing it up so well and i think they do a lot of what the fast and furious does to make because this made you know 350 million dollars globally like it was a really really big that wasn't a you know fast and furious level hit but it was very successful because they do what the fast and furious does like they took a huge bollywood star they put her in here they take you know asian martial arts actors they take tony collette to give that kind of audience they take ruby rose who's like in every movie around this time like this is like you know within a year of john wick 2 right like they're doing everything that's like all the hot young action people and then also the global appeal and they're putting together and I feel like he probably genuinely does love the fast family but I think being able to like create another family sort of built around you again that isn't the same people you've been working with for 15 or 20 years like it's got to be kind of fun too like this is my team like he's building a team in this movie but he also probably helped shape the cast like as a producer you know what I mean like it feels like this is another gonzo reality to the fast and furious and I think it's probably just fun because it works I also agree with what you're saying like as an extension of that we're so like tied into the fast and the furious now like he can keep adding people but he didn't get to like pick everyone right tej and roman are parts of the second one which he wasn't involved with and like han is great we obviously love him but at the same time like that's from tokyo drift so like i don't think that he probably had input on the original cast so he's kind of like beholden to what he was given to work with whereas this i think you're right joey i don't have any facts about it but i'm sure that he had a lot more input on like who he could pick who he wanted to like work with whatever whatever that's why i think we see tony jaw in this one it's like oh like i like him from the fast and furious cool he can just come and join triple x and do kind of the same thing but be part of the team what's also interesting is that the bollywood actress Topeka Padukone I think she plays Serena was supposed to be in Furious 7 and like they couldn't get schedules to align so she's just like hey just come in this movie like I don't know if that's how it worked but it feels like maybe Tony Ja in Furious 7 there I also think you know to that point Joe is that like apparently the original idea for this was to just ignore State of the Union like it'd be like two never happened but they basically play off the fact that he's like you know I'm not actually dead or whatever and then Cube showing up at the end here is awesome excellent Excellent. And also, whether it sets up four or not, whether Cube and Vin are going to be together in four, I don't know and I don't care, but like it sets up, it feels like it could and like it's great. I love it. So I'm glad they didn't erase the past. Like I appreciate when a movie like a franchise like Halloween is just like, this is too convoluted. We need to cut out like all this fat. Like we need to just like get back to basics. But like there's only one movie beginning right of it just feels like, no, people like that movie. Like it's Cube is great. Like let's get Cube back. You know, I maybe if Cube can't cameo, then you ignore it. But you know, with him coming back and being being like, you know, X takes care of its own, it rules. I also like what you said that I'm really glad that they addressed that like Xander Cage was dead, but he wasn't. He was just hiding because they could have easily been like the death of Xander Cage YouTube video doesn't exist. That was the most shocking to think that people actually saw that and thought that this character was dead, even though there was some lip service to it in the second one. Because like you were saying, Joe One, like I wasn't expecting anything from part two to cross over, especially when I see on Gibbons 
bio that he prevented World War Three. I was like, I thought that happened and we prevented World War Four <laughs> last time. Besides that, once Cube shows up, I'm like, oh, I, I get it. This is 2017. You know, we're sort of in the age of the soft, not reboot, but like the requel in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Like we could, this could be a reboot, a sequel or whatever you want it to be. We, yes. We're taking elements yes. that we like and we're putting it together and we're doing just the best of it. Like, like a greatest hits almost. I think they're also able to take things less seriously than Fast and Furious, even though there is pa- like literally a thing called Pandora's Box. Like you were saying, you know, it's going to down satellites from around the world. Like it's a God's eye. Exactly. Yeah. Once again, you have to save the world. But it's not like, you know, Joe, we talk about on Fast and Furious. It's like you, you have to save the world in every episode now or every movie now because you save the world in the last one. You can't not in the next. Like you can't lower the stakes. But here it's just like, all right, so you like, you know, you stopped a coup against the president. Like that's big, but you don't have to like keep raising the stakes even further. Like you can save the world here and then like the next one could just be like whatever dumb shit you want because like again there's a line in here we're not all jacked up on Mountain Dew and Red Bull asshole like there's a nod that like this is you know Fast and Furious on Whippets X Games you can be dumb and you can have fun and I think that's what this leans into I think that's why it works and I don't know if this was intentional but there is a kind of hilarious political point I don't think they intended to make but in the first movie the NSA are like the good guys and by the third movie they're the bad guy sure I like the guy with the crashes and the football mouth guard and him being like, I told you the CIA was behind it the whole time. You know, like him being a conspiracy theorist is really That's funny. That's another thing. Like we've got the hound from Game of Thrones here and then we had Tormund from Game of Thrones in The Fast 8, was it? So yeah, so this is the weirdest thing because he is in Fate. This movie and Fate came out like three months apart from each other. They're both in the beginning of 2017. They both have Vin Diesel in it, obviously. They both take place on a plane like largely on a plane and so I think I've mentioned this show like years ago but still like in my brain even though I've seen Fate now you know 13 or 14 times because we covered it for the Charlize podcast and whatever like I still think the Nina Dobrev in love like absolutely smitten and horny for Vin is in Fate and so every time we watch Fate and there's not a girl on Cypher's plane who's like horny for Dom I'm like where is that it's not the same movie but it's the same movie in the same year with Vin acting the same way and I'm like that's in my brain like that that's from fate and it's not it's from this but like it also basically could be in fate like if there was just some like young tech nerd who like had a hard-on for dom that fits right because it's the same character it's vin it's mark it's dom it's xander they're all the same we need we need little nobody to take that role on that's crazy that connection I, i was getting a huge agent of shield vibe from this show because like they fly around on that jet the whole time I don't know if it's like, um, it's just something in the air, right? Like, it's just things that were, you know, everybody had sort of the same idea at the same time or mm-hmm. something. I love Donnie Yen. Yeah. Legendary when it comes to, like, his martial arts films. But even, like, he, he's had, like, some really big hits in America, too. So, like, it's really cool to see him basically just do whatever he wants to do in here. And knowing just about him, I felt so bad for the stuntman because, for what I understand, he hits. Like, he can't, like, he really hits me. <laughs> like, oh. he makes contact. I was looking to see sometimes when he was like in the center of action, the expressions on some faces or like the blows that he was landing, but dude is insane. Yeah, so in America, he's probably best known for Rogue One, right? And then the Ip Man movies. He was supposed to be, that was supposed to be Jet Li. And then Jet Li had to back out, so they replaced him with Don Yen. But I feel like if, if you lose a Jet Li to get a Donnie Yen, it's just like, okay, like we, we can live with that because he also rules. Like, it's just like that yeah. works. Also, Conor McGregor was supposed to be in this movie. He pulled out and he got replaced by the other guy who, like, looks like he was in MMA, Michael Bisping. Like, the guy who looks like he's in the octagon at all times. Like, that's the guy who replaced Conor McGregor, so... Now I want to see this movie with Conor. I love Conor McGregor just like as like a character, like the persona of 
of Conor McGregor, like not him punching an old guy in a bar for no reason. I feel like to a certain extent, like you have a Conor McGregor in a movie and it's just like, why are you making Game of Thrones jokes? Like we passed that time, like that firmly, like I think the same thing with Ronda Rousey, like her in Fury 7 is just like, okay, so this is like the two years where she was enormous, right? Like it's not a bad thing, but it just firmly dates like, oh, Conor McGregor was the guy in that world for three years and now no one talks about him because he's an asshole. I know people still do, but like he was everywhere and now he's not. For that one segment, like he was king of the world, not just like king of MMA for like a while. Yes. I like his personality and I like his stupid antics. So like I would love to see how that would play opposite Vin Diesel. I love recent Ink Master guest judge Ruby Rose because again, I forget every time that she has that accent because I think I know her most maybe from John Wick when she doesn't speak. I know she's in Orange is the New Black, but she sounds so cool and she like sounds as cool as she looks. She's the character the most that I was like, I need a triple X movie with her as triple X. Well, I think that that's also what this does. Like it sets up in a way that the Fast and Furious don't. It's like any one of these, because we know the next triple X could be anybody. We could just follow any of these characters like, okay, Ruby Rose is the next. I think by this point now, it's never going to not be Vin. But it could not be Vin, and you could take any of these characters and, like, just go from, like, the guy who's a DJ, like, his skill is being a DJ, and that's one of the main members of the team. It's like, okay, sure. He's the only actor, I aside from uh, Neymar, because I don't follow footy, watching this in theaters, and he's putting together his little team, and, you know, Ruby Rose is, like, hunting the big game hunters, and uh, the hound is, like, crashing through a brick wall and, like, getting arrested. And then they go to Chris Wu's character, and it's like, what, what are you doing? He's like, I'm Make the party happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a superpower. He's like the Dazzler. Oh, Dazzler's a good call. When I saw that in theaters, I was just like, oh, he's going to be great with a gun now. I'm like, no, he just, he DJs. Like, it's just like, oh, you got exactly what you need. Like, it just, I, I don't know how they did it without it being like stupid as hell, but they did it and I love it. Like they even set up that he might be using those big fist gloves that like triple your power, but like he doesn't even end up wearing them in the movie. Like, I thought he's going to DJ with them on. Oh, that would have been nice. I would have really liked that. But instead, they go to our man Tony Gonzalez for no fucking reason. And why is he in this movie? I thought that he was going to come in and just pop in and be a cameo. And I'm like, oh, Tony Gonzalez is in fucking Triple X. That's crazy. You might, do you know Tony Gonzalez? No, I'm not aware. The guy that he pushes out the plane. Oh, okay. Yeah. The meathead that comes back. Okay. He's like a top three NFL tight end of all time. Like he's like one of the best. He does like the Fox broadcast of NFL. But like just seeing him. So like now imagine. Yeah. Like you get like a baseball player. Right. And then like all of a sudden you're like, oh, he's cool. It's he's in the movie. Like I thought it was going to be like a little bit like Neymar that you get like a cameo. But in turn, he's like the main antagonist that like Vin like fist fights through this plane. And I'm like, that doesn't feel like anything I thought was going to happen. Did you like that? Or were you more like, I just want to cameo because I didn't know he was a football player. I was like, he must be a stuntman or something. No, no, I loved it. But I'm saying like, I don't think he was an ever in any other movie. He looks the part, it fits. And I'm just like, oh shit, Tony Gonzalez. And then like, he doesn't go away. Like I thought like when you get a guy like this, like you don't really expect them to like play a plot point in the movie so I was like why is he still here and then they like keep fighting and then he like pushes him out the th- it's like he keeps coming back in other scenes I, I did like it but it was just I was like I wasn't ready for that you know what I really liked about this that I can't believe we have it on the Fast and Furious we have like a zero G kind of not a fight really but like a sequence and I'm like how like we've gone to space we have literally taken a car to space and we've not had a zero G sequence in Fast and Furious yeah I guess even when they were on the plane like they don't really do that you're kind of 
crashing slowly so you can kind of like hover through the yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. The vomit rocket, I think is what they call it. Like you could do this as a civilian too, like take a plane up and do the yeah. free fall. And they film like they filmed some of Apollo 13 like that. So I wonder if they actually did that for some of the shot because, you know, when Donnie Yen is like when gravity kind of regains and he does like that little twist flip back to the ground, it seems like it's real. You know, this is more maybe in the wheelhouse of one of our main guys, Tom Cruise, though, because remember he had zero G sex in American Made. He was in zero G in The Mummy. He's going to do that entire movie coming up in a space station, right? Or a spaceship or yeah. whatever. Like, this is a Tom Cruise thing. I'm glad that Vin got to do it. Oh, speaking of Tom Cruise things I'm glad Vin got to do, he runs really far and, and fast in, in the uh, opening of this. Like, not the opening, but like in his intro sequence, which we got we to gotta start talking about some of our mm-hmm. favorite moments yeah, yeah, in yeah. this. So I'll just start with this one. Like, in the opening, when he's introduced, like, he is dry skiing down a mountain. I don't know how else to describe it. You know, it's just he's skiing down a dry hill. Through a jungle, yep. That's insane. And then he transfers to a longboard and skates down a giant hill. And then he just jumps off that and starts running at top speed. And you're like, what's the countdown? What's the countdown? And it's all to bring football to the little fishing village that he's yep. sort of laying low in. It's just phenomenal. It's wonderful. And then we, we smash cut from that into the Gibbons test, but the Tony Collette test, where, like, again, there's a bunch of, like, dudes who descend on him, but he's able to be like, that guy's in two nice shoes. This guy just knows I speak English. Why is that guy like this? It's just like, okay, so it's the same scene as the first movie, but I don't mind it. Because I think the same thing like X takes care of its own, the things I do for my country, like all these things that we've heard in the first two movies come back here. Like when we talked about this before, when we did the, the Rocky Marathon, we're like, we don't need Rocky Balboa to be 50% rehash. We just saw everything. But here it's like, this is done right. And I think all these like little touches and everything, it's just wonderful. But yeah, that skiing off the, like the telecom pole, basically through the jungle and longboard, like oh, it's, yeah. it's, it's wonderful. Like that's such a, it's such a good way to kick this movie off. You got that. You, we got lots of skiing in this movie. Like I really love that one, which like I was like, I don't know how practical this will be. And I did like Vin doing like lots of grinding on stuff as he's mm-hmm. doing this, which was fun. But then we also then later get the jet ski dirt bike situation too, which was another thing that I was like, I've never seen this on film before. This is incredible. I really like this. We got skiing twice and I normally like, you know, I can be down on stuff like that. Like, oh, you're doing like the same thing kind of twice. But I was like, nope, both of these sold. You got me. Whoever was in a skiing mood, you did good. I'm it's about wonderful. it. I don't even have a major complaint about the way that the CG looked. Like, I was like, nope, the concept is fucking amazing. I don't care how it looks, and it looks passable anyway, even today. Like, I'm fine. It's leagues above the last two movies anyway. Mm-hmm. My question, so I'm watching that sequence, and I rewound it twice, because, and not that it, not that I care, it actually makes it cooler. It's like, did they know those bikes could do that? They seem to just yeah. pick them up. They're at that party in the Philippines, and it's when Xander first meets... Donnie Yen and when Vin Diesel meets Donnie Yen and like they're chasing each other and they both seem to grab random bikes but then Donnie Yen pulls the lever and then I can understand Vin seeing him maybe pull the lever but it felt like how did you know they could do that? Well I think we just had to you know believe in the fact that Xander Cage is a uh, extreme sports guru and savant and he knows exactly what everything can do in this world too maybe he's an automancer he can like level up the skills of the vehicles he's on so I don't mind it. I love that idea yeah and it also goes to sort of the second movie maybe it was with with the one with the purple car where like it's not quite a transformer but it can just kind of like add armor or like has gatling guns or maybe it can like turn into a jet ski uh like that's a pretty cool concept and that car comes back here at the end i love the gto and i think it's really cool i think it's funny because it's Again, like a tongue-in-cheek nod to Fast and the Furious, in my opinion, that he has like a specific car that's like an old muscle car that he likes in this series that isn't 
a charger. He has a GTO, which is like, it looks a little close. Like, it has the same vibe and feel. And he's like, oh, yeah, like, this is my triple X car, not my Dom car. You know, and you're like, okay, fine, whatever. One thing I wanted to mention when Tony Collette comes, you know, they're like, don't move, don't move. And he starts moving. Then he does a little breakdance move. If you notice, he does like a little worm or something. I just had to mention that. He does like the robot with his arm. Yes, I noticed this too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are his roots from what I understand. Mm-hmm. You know, he used to be a breaker in New York City. So that that was really fun. Um, I like how this is kind of globetrotting too. I can't remember where it starts. It's somewhere in South America, correct? If I'm not mistaken. Then we go to London. You know, then we go to the Philippines. Then we go to Detroit. Detroit. I think that's really fun. My favorite sequence is when they go to Detroit and they're trying to find, you know, like the CIA director. They're like, this is the bad guy who has the actual god's eye, right? They acquire the Pandora's box and Tony Collette's like, oh, it can only launch one satellite. There's a double out there. Like, we have to really find that one. So they're racing to go capture this guy and Donnie Yen and Vin Diesel have a fight in traffic. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yes. I love that. I love the idea of that, and I love the way it's executed. I was getting Fast and the Furious vibes because we had Vin hanging from the back of the truck at the beginning before he climbs up on top of it, and we never see them like run on the top of a train in Fast and the Furious, do we? The train we have with the cars in it, Joey, right? But we'd never see them like on a train. In F9, they jump onto, like, they think he and Jacob fight on top of, like, tractor trailers, which we get a little bit in this, too. There's a train in the first movie, the train in the fifth movie, but they never really fought on top of a train, as far as I know. Like, again, like, things like you've seen in a bunch of action movies that you feel like the Fast and Furious should have done, but hasn't. Yeah, I definitely felt like they should have fought in traffic in a Fast and Furious movie at this point by now. Like, anything kind of car-related, right? Like, you you know, you, you crash into each other, you get out of your car, and you start fighting. You know what I also love? I thought you were going to get to this part. You know, I think it's after the chase through traffic, but I like when they find the Pandora's box and Ruby Rose is set up across the street with her sniper rifle, but he's turned on all the heat so it takes thermal completely out of it. I'm just like, that's such a cool minor thing that like I can't believe we haven't seen in other movies too. Remember, Joe, you were saying in the second one, like, why have we never seen someone shoot the water? Like, it's like, does that break the surface? Who knows? Like, this is like a very clear, oh, I know exactly why they did this. It's very smart. And still, Xander figures out a way to beat it. But I'm like, that's such a smart thing. I agree. I did like the read between the lines thing, the whole part of it. That was all excellent. And the heat thing was something really cool that I've never seen in a movie before like when we were watching transporters as well just to see something new in an action movie at this point we've all seen so many of these action movies that like the fight on top of the cars and stuff is really cool but we've seen this before you're right by having like the heat turned up i'm like oh cool something i haven't seen before i like this do more of these things but i guess it's hard to come up with an original idea for an action movie right yeah and that was a real good one because i was like what the hell you have a lot of computers in that room don't you need to cool it get some air conditioners in there and instead he's pumping the heat and i'm like what is his deal? What is that about? And then I was like, oh, that's so smart. Like, it's very clever. He would beat a predator if he stayed in that room. That was really fun. When Ruby Rose shoots right between Xander's fingers, like... He even, like, blows his fingers off, like, ooh, that was a little hot. Speaking of hot, let's talk about the hot potato scene. Oh, boy. Okay, go ahead. Well, I mean, you know, there's negotiation scenes in every movie, okay? Mm -hmm. And, like, every action movie, and it's all posturing, and it's all just for the most part, stale, okay? And, you know, how do you jazz that up? Let's add a live grenade into the negotiations. Like, it just goes to show how much nerve these people have and how cool and calm under pressure and and everything. And I think that, I don't know, maybe it's just growing up, grenades always seemed like they would do 
the most damage. Yeah. I don't know what it is, especially movie grenades. So a game of like hot potato, hot potato in general, like as a kid is nerve wracking, but like with a grenade and then two grenades and then three grenades, like I've never seen anything like this in in any other movie as cool before, right? Like I don't remember any, maybe the Joker in the Dark Knight negotiating with the other mobsters because it's Heath Leather's Joker but like it's that kind of level for me where it's like damn this is very clever it's very fun it's like getting my adrenaline going it's awesome. Like, it's so cool. It also pays off in the actual action scene. Like, it's a Chekhov's gun where, like, the grenade actually goes off. Like, they basically know how much time is left on the fuse. It's so cool and smart and fun and, like, well cut. It's great. You know, that's when Xander learns that they're all triple X, I believe. And they all sort of have their different philosophies, but they're all against the NSA. And they're all, you know, that's their main thing is, like, the people who hired us Gibbons isn't in, the, the thing I got from the scene was like Gibbons isn't in charge anymore so like we're on our own we should stick together kind of thing it just served as like a weird bonding moment between all of them somehow and literally had their lives in each other's hands at one point but yeah Joey like you say like it also advances the action you know like it's used as a setup as well but yeah one thing I liked, one thing I didn't like. I was not crazy about the CGI about when Vin, when Xander, sorry, Xander, crashes the plane into the crashing satellite to sacrifice. Like, I thought that was a cool idea, but the CGI did not look great. But I was like, whatever, that's fine. That's at the, that's at the end. But what I did really like toward the end of the movie and talking about action at the end, apparently Nina Dobrev, like, loves doing action and was really bummed that her character was, like, this, you know, tech nerd who, like, wasn't in the field. So when she actually got to shoot her gun at the end, even though she doesn't really have control of it, she was very excited about that but i also like in the very too fast too forever curiosity whatever she gets the fuck where she finally gets the gunfire action because i'm like i I thought the first two movies rated r but no they're all pg-13 they're all the same you get one use that and she gets it i feel like that's such a perfect use at the end when she's just so excited i love her character her being super horny for xander uh you know talking about kumquat as our safe word and whatever and then she also helps save the day before you know cube actually saves the day but i thought she was great in this movie so let's just quickly talk about ice cube for a moment because like there's no way in a billion years I expected him to show up in this movie just because I I just felt like he didn't have fun doing it the last time like it was a more serious tone overall but like I just never expected him to come back and then watching it in theaters I'm like he didn't even show up there like they shot him somewhere else and they just inserted it but watching it this time maybe they did that for some of it but then he drives up and like him and Vin Diesel like put their arm around it so I was like oh I don't remember that so it was cool to know that they all actually met and they all hung out and they were all doing their thing that day. I remember seeing Cube show up in theaters and being like, why is he here? Oh, I think he was in the second one, but also I had no idea. But it doesn't also doesn't matter. Like it just it's so cool and so fun and also very fast and furious and just action movie. His song comes in, right? Like he's rapping over oh, yeah. while he's there. It, it's perfect. I think that you're right, Mike. I I didn't get the sense that he didn't have fun in the last movie, but the tone was different, and he comes in and matches the tone and energy of this movie when he appears here. Like, you know, he's like, yeah, X takes care of its own and shit like that, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm sold. Yeah, he's like, I've been waiting, what, like 10 years for someone to dial that number? Yeah, I'm glad he's he's here. I mean, he wouldn't be here if he didn't want to be here, and it's cool that he came back, and you're right, he was able to sort of match what they were going for. So who knows if he'll be back 
Anyway, before I hand the wheel over to Joey to take care of some special business, is there anything else we want to mention about the movie? I like seeing Xander in a sleeveless vest in the balcony at Gibbons' fake funeral. Like, it's just like everybody's down there and like in their Sunday vest and, you know, even Cube shows up. You know, I think that Cube is maybe CGI'd in. Like, I don't think he was actually in the background there. Maybe he was. I don't know. But seeing him like in that like leather sleeveless vest up in the balcony, I thought was just like a nice touch. Like, he's just like, I'll be there. I'm going to go on my own dial. You know, under my own rules and under my own pre tenses yeah i didn't think of that like he was definitely up there to meet with sam jackson but no he uh he's like a solitary man he's like i've got to go grieve by myself uh in the back and then two other fast connections we have not said yet number one serena saying lions in a cage metaphors i felt like was similar to you know take you don't take your foot oh, yeah. off the neck of a tiger also from fate of the furious just like the whole big cats as a metaphor for action and also xander and serena showing each other their tattoos was very much dom and letty and fury seven showing each other their scars it's like mike okay as someone else with tattoos how bad did her tattoo look like the <laughs> phoenix one i was like oh man like you got torn up on like it was either stickied on or it was like really really bad and you just brought up ink master before and i looked at it i was like oh no but i did also as someone with tattoos i really enjoyed that like he shows her like the nipple like sun one and they're all like ha, ha, dumb tattoos you and i talk about this a lot that like whatever we see each other like, yeah man like if i hate this later like whatever it's a dumb tattoo like you just deal with it right like that's the point pretty much it. yeah no i i think the only real tats in here are ruby rose i, I don't think that uh, that hers are real but plus phoenix those you know notoriously hard tattoo to design yeah. properly and well and i didn't even know that that what is what it was and if you have to tell me what it is then it's not that successful but uh, i wish we spent a little more time to be honest on the meaning behind xander's tats there is one that has meaning that i, I remember we were talking the first one like these are all fake tattoos they're not so there's another fake tattoo here but on his leg he's got a tattoo that says harry o'connor which is the name of the stuntman who died in the first movie so there's one tattoo with actual meaning even though it's not a meaning in universe one of his tattoos has meaning in general, which I think is a nice touch. Nice, nice. Okay. Yeah, and I think Xander, the character, did a cover-up on his left arm, and there's, like, this big elephant there now. <laughs> I was going to say. I was going to say, like, it looks like he has different tattoos than he did when you mentioned it, right? They're, like, completely different. Like, it's just, like, they, they totally didn't reference the original movie. They were just like, okay, he got, like, a whole new set of tattoos. Like, that's what it is. He's certainly got more. He's got lines on his ribs now. So those definitely weren't there the last movie. And he's got something huge on his back, too. So it's like, yeah. But that's a pet peeve of mine, guys, is like tattoos in film in general. Like even before I was getting tattoos, I was just like, this, there's something just off about this. Like get a reference. Go hire a tattoo artist to reference these things. Right? Yeah. Mike, I don't want to put you on the spot here, but I know there is a novelization of this movie. Did you read any of the novelization? Okay. So I read the opening Okay. The novelization, but that's as far as I got. I read I read most of the prologue, and the prologue is basically just like about all of the space junk that's orbiting our planet and how someone has learned to take control of it. I'll just read a paragraph from it if if you want. Yeah, please. Please. 
It goes, basically, there's a shitload of metal whizzing above us that we are completely unaware of, but which makes our tech-obsessed lifestyles possible. An intricate web of hardware and software representing the pinnacle of human scientific achievement. But when satellite orbits decay, as they eventually do, machines that cost between 50 and $400 million to build and launch become useless junk plummeting back towards the planet that sent them up in the first place. 100 tons of space debris fall every year, but there's no reason to lose your shit about it. Most of it burns up on re-entry. But even if some material survives this atmospheric cremation, the odds of it hitting a particular individual like you is 1 in 20 trillion. Damn good odds, right? But what if someone found a way to change those odds? So that is basically like its interpretation of the opening title sequence, you know, where it's like a big CGI sort of like whip around outer space satellites and we're flying through satellites and space and stuff and so this is talking about like the history of satellites and then it gets to that and then the gibbons at the diner scene starts when the satellite lands on him i will say satellites crashing down on people is not the premise but like the the inciting incident of one of my all-time favorite tv shows of dead like me where the main character is killed because a crashing space station does not completely disintegrate on reorbit or re-entry and she gets blown up by a uh, toilet seat by a flaming toilet seat and that's like in the pilot she becomes a grim reaper but like that plot device i guess is very near and dear to my heart because i just love that show so much and i guess she's one in 20 trillion odds <laughs> well it's it's actually crazy when i when you think about like space debris and satellites and stuff you never see it when there's shots of earth in movies but in this one you do and you see it's like rings and rings of orbits of junk some planets have beautiful rings and we have junk rings it's like the way i think about it well also now like since that book was written since this movie was made starling put like so many satellites and like that's a mess you know once again elon musk really not just the planet but outer space as well but judging just by the prologue this probably would be a fun read it's like can you believe this shit is happening in a book yeah i think you should read it i think you should keep reading it i'll have to report back next time i'm on your show hey speaking of your show i'm going to hand the wheel over to joey joe one at the moment joey lewandowski so we could do some segments from your show because uh hey it's a crossover and why not joey take it away so the end of every too fast too forever when we talk about a movie that's not a fast and furious movie we watch the trailer then play a letterboxed game so let's start with the trailer this is Triple X, The Return of Xander Cage, official trailer number one, 2017 Vin Diesel action movie HD. What a title. Posted by Zero Media in November 2016. Are you guys ready to... I think this starts... I think this is one of those classic where it starts with action then like slows down and starts the whole thing again. So get ready off the bat for some intense Xander action. Let me know if you guys are ready. Ready. I'm ready whenever you are, buddy. All right. Three, two, one, play. Starts with the start of the movie, I guess. Like, if you show me three seconds of a trailer of Vin Diesel strapping in skis and jumping off a pole, like, I'm already sold. I don't need to see oh, anymore. Yeah. I'm already in. I'm seeing the movie. Is jungle skiing, like, a extreme sport that I don't know about? Like, no, I don't think it would work at all. I think you would, like, hit a root and just die. Instantly. Like, he should have jumped onto a dirt bike, right? You know what also you would instantly die is jumping across a 60-foot street down 90 feet and, like, somehow landing? Like, that was the craziest, like, somewhat believable. Well, that's some, like, Matrix, like, there is no spoon shit. I thought we were going to find out some of them had, like, Winter Soldier juice in their blood, but... They don't. <laughs> Seeing Vin skateboard at this age too is incredible. Seeing like anyone skateboard at you know that at my age, I guess. Right? Like, I watched the Tony Hawk uh, documentary. Is like can't believe those guys are still on those boards. This trailer's got good energy. 
Now that's a team I can work with. There you go. They do a good job of teasing the, the big moments without spoiling yeah. all of it. I agree. I agree. Down there. Yeah, that's what she said. <laughs> wow. Oh, right. I forgot that. I forgot this about this character, too. The hacker that he briefly visits. Oh, this is also, once again, in that scene after the hacker lady and all of her, like, you know, there's some stiff odds or whatever. It's like another one of Vin's harems. Just like, oh, look at me. Six women want to sleep with me. They want to jump my bones. And he says the line, the things I do for my country. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. How about you? I live for this. I guess we're on the same team She's now. good too. Oh. I, I, I'd like to... I'd like to see her in more movies. Like. I don't think she's done any more crossover. I think it's exclusively Bollywood other than this. At least nothing that's been like, you know, of note. This is a cool trailer too, because you don't, you can't tell like the timeline. Like I hate trailers that yep. just... Yep. Like walk you through the movie. I like that if you're like sort of half watching this before a movie starts, you're like, wait, was that Neymar? What the... What, what is this movie? Yeah. Nice end to the trailer. I like that a lot, yeah. All right. So the Letterbox game. So for your listeners who don't listen to Too Fast, Too Forever, one of the most popular films on Letterbox is Mad Max Fury Road, of course. You covered Thunderdome, Beyond Thunderdome, very early on the show, didn't you? Great episode with, with Kara and Brian, so check that out. Very cool. And I know you talked about Tina Turner forever and the soundtrack, and I think Brian got the soundtrack either because of that episode or yep. he already had it or something. But so Mad Max Video Road has been logged 1.2 million times by Letterboxd users. So Triple X, Return of Xander Cage. There's no the, interestingly enough. Triple X colon Return of Xander Cage, 2017, directed by DJ Caruso, starring Vin Diesel, Donnie Yen, Topeka, Patacone, and Chris Wu, and Ruby Rose and Tony Jaa and Nina Dobrev has been seen by how many people? Do you guys, do you want to, rem you want a refresher of the first two or do you want to go in blind? No, blind. But I feel like this is a newer movie, huge cast. I'll start at 150,000. Okay? Oh, I was going to say that. That's wild, Joe. Like you guessed. Really? A dead on? Yeah. 150? You guys can share a guess if you want to share a guess. Yeah, we could share. M Mike and I put our bed okay. in together. Yeah, sure. Why not? Let's do it. Okay. So as a refresher now, the first movie had 88,000. Okay. Yes. Second movie. Yeah down to 33,000. Yes. Your guess of 150,000, way too high. Oh, no. I was no. surprised by this number. I will say that. I also, I don't know. I, mm. I'm glad I don't make this, I don't play this game because I don't know what I would guess, but I would have guessed a higher, a number higher than the one it is. But you guys, 150, both too high. Give me 75,000. 75. Mike? I'm going, I'm going to go surprisingly low for what I think. I'm going to go lower than the second movie. I'm going to go 23. Okay, so you are now straddling it. It's somewhere in between 23 and 75. So basically, somewhere between the first two movies, between 33 and 80, between 25 and 75, somewhere in there, one more guess who's got it. Because this movie's so horny, 69,000. Ooh, hell yeah. <laughs> Can we share a guess again? Sure. Yes. You're both too high. 53,981. 53,981. Average rating of a 2.3. Most common a 2, then a 3, then a 2.5. I, of course, gave it a 5. How many of those 54,000 people have this in their top four favorite films on Letterboxd of all time? This may be somebody that loves all the XXX movies, so you got to factor a couple of those in. I would go, like, five. Five people? Yeah, five people. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it's more. I think the people that like it really like it. So I'm gonna say twelve. You're both too low, but Mike pretty close. One more guess. Okay. Higher than twelve. Seventeen. 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 Uh, Mike. Twenty-four. 
16 is the answer. 16. Wow. Including one account called Triple X3, whose bio is Triple X ran out and I don't know what you want me to come to the hospital and they were so many things I want you. So I don't know. This what? might be another fake account, but their favorite films are Triple X, Triple X Return of Xander Cage, Get Shorty, and a movie called Raw Justice starring Pamela Anderson. So sure, whatever. But we're going to play Warren Beatty at Jabroni420. Wow. What a name. This is why I wanted to play this game, Mike, because Warren Beatty has the name Jabroni420 as <laughs> it's perfect. If you guys listen to Too Fast, this has to be Wells's letterbox. I think we found it. So Warren ahead. Beatty says there isn't a scene in this movie that doesn't want to make you high five a bro five stars. The most recent movie he's watched was John Wick Chapter 2 five years ago. Gave it five stars, just said, awesome, we'll watch again. I think maybe the first time ever in this game, Joe, he does not have a top four. He only has a top three. Oh, even better. I kind of like that. I think his profile picture is Roman Reigns. His location is Heck, and his website is (laughs) WWE.com. Okay. This guy seems awesome. Go ahead. So number four, there is no number four. Number three uh, is Triple X Return of Xander Cage. Number one, his only list on Letterboxd is called Vin Diesel Core. Description of this is, among this list are masterpieces starring none other than the man who measures how he lives life by how far he drives his car, Vin Diesel. Whether he's working as a stockbroker or jumping out of a tank oh on a highway, God. Vin Diesel always brings the goods. Triple X Return of Xander Cage, not on this list... But what is the Vin Diesel performance? Hmm, find me guilty. No, this is not a trick question. What is the Vin Diesel performance? Fast and Furious. It has to be a Fast and Furious movie, right? The Fast and the Furious, number one, is his favorite movie and also number one on this list. So number two is not a Vin Diesel movie. Number two is a movie I adore that I admit is dumb as hell. It's probably dumber than this movie in a different way. I've covered on Brian's podcast. It's a high school movie. Mike, I'm pretty sure, I don't think you and I have watched it together. Hot Rod. No, I do love Hot Rod. I also do think that's really dumb. That, yeah, that's where I was getting to. And it kind of fit the theme of car type Vin diesel A very memorable scene on a motorcycle in this movie. I would guess you've both seen this movie. I don't know if either of you have. It came out in 2016. Mm. The tagline is, we dare you. There's a question in the movie, are you a watcher or are you a player? Oh, nerve. Nerve, baby. Yes, I did see that too. Little Franco and Emma Roberts. I think this movie is so dumb and I love it so much. I like that movie. It was fun. I remember (laughs) watching it like in bed and being like, oh man, this is a lot of fun movie. I saw that at the draft house with Little Franco in person. He was there. Jabroni 420, The Fast and the Furious, Nerve, and Triple X. Like, it wasn't a great top three, but I mean, it's a great top three for our purposes. But, like, I just love Warren Beatty, Jabroni 420, in heck, high-fiving a bro. It's perfect. I love this guy. WWE.com. Perfect way to go out, if you ask me. So, before we wrap it up, do you guys want to mention anything? Any plugs? I mean, I think everybody knows who you are at this point uh, that's listening, but in case they don't, is there anything you'd like to mention online where we can find you? Yeah, the episode that's out right now is our second installment of Life in the Fast Lane, where Joe and I just talk nonsense about whatever and do a Fast and Furious minute at the end. Next week, we're doing Fast and Furious number four, and I will tease that we're going to have the first ever of a new segment that we're still trying to figure out the name of it. But if you like, has has Montez, has Jessica Collins ever been on this show, Mike? No, I don't believe so. No, oh. no, she hasn't. I know that she's extremely busy, so. 
because she's been on other shows that you and I have done, and she's on this entire lap of Too Fast, but we're going to make her do a thing. So it's going to be, if, if you want to see, because Jess is wonderful, if you want to see her get really annoyed and flustered, probably, tune into next week's Too Fast. Um, and also check out the Patreon, TooFast2Forever.com, to get the Triple X State of the Union episode, because Vin's not in that, but Cube is. And so we covered that with you, of course, Mike, and all 260 episodes and like 25 bonus episodes at TooFast2Forever.com. Awesome. Sounds good. Well, I thank you guys for coming by. Thanks for having us, bud. Thanks to your fans and your audience that has joined us here today. Thank you all. Uh, I hope you go dig in my archives. Maybe you'll find something else you like. And, you know, until the next crossover event, which I'm very much looking forward to, guess we'll tell you about it. When we see, when we you, see you again. again. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's a magic number. Three. Yes, it is. It's the magic number. Three. Three may stop at me, and that's a magic number. What does it all mean?